You're listening to the Daily Audible's weekly fantasy football podcast. Everything you need to know to build winning lineups for this week's games in 30 minutes or less. Now, here's your host and fantasy maestro, Chris Lawless. What is up, Daily Audible readers and listeners, and welcome to our NFL Week 7 fantasy podcast that will cover the main slates on both FanDuel and DraftKings. This podcast is brought to you by the Draft app. The Draft app is the only place where you can compete in live snake and auction style drafts for Week 7. Use the promo code AUDIBLE and get a free entry. Uh, That's the promo code AUDIBLE. You'll get a free $3 uh, entry, which is, I believe, a six-man NFL draft. All right, let's jump right into our picks for this week. Um, looking at the slate, it's a it's a ten game slate. Um, some of the uh, we wrote not we mentioned in the article that some of the defenses that we like to target um, aren't going to be active in the slate. They're either off on a buy um, or they are um, playing one of the the uh, prime time games. Um, I believe the the teams often buys this week are Packers, Raiders, Seahawks, and Steelers. Um, obviously, we've been kind of picking on the Raiders, Seahawks, and Steelers secondary. And then um, in the night games, you've got um, the Chiefs playing um, on Sunday night. On Monday night, you've got the Falcons defense. And then um, the Thursday night game, um, we really like the Denver running backs against Arizona. But those guys are off the table. Um for this main slate. So let's jump into kind of some overall thoughts for this slate. And then um, we'll talk about our, our picks and our thoughts on each game. Um, in general, um, scoring is going to be down for the slate. You can almost lock it in. I mean, the only way scoring will be high this week is if chalk hits, which would be, um, you know, probably the two Rams receivers, um, the two Vikings receivers, you know, maybe the, um, some of the guys in the Tampa Bay Cleveland game um, will be fairly highly owned. Um, so if, if some of those guys hit big, then, you know, scoring could be up. But um, otherwise, I look for one of the lower scoring weeks, um, which is generally the case when you get into these weeks where there's um, only 10 games in the main slates. And I believe we even have one week where there will only be nine games in the main slate. So, um just uh, some thoughts on the games overall. Um, I think Vegas has the highest implied totals for the Rams, the Bucks, and then um, the Patriots as usual. Uh, we really do like the Rams this week. Cooper Cup's out, which means volume for some, for the other two receivers. Um, and then um, the Bucks matchup. Obviously, the Bucks are going to give up points. They're going to score points. Um, you know, we're not. We're not in love with Baker Mayfield, but he'll probably put up a, a solid fantasy number just like everyone does. You know, we picked on – we kind of hit a home run, um, was it two weeks or three weeks ago now when when the Bears played the um, Bucks, We said to get um, uh, get Mitch Trubisky in your lineups, and that, that worked out, you know, 400 yards and six touchdowns or whatever it was. So um, I don't think Mayfield puts up those numbers, but I do think he's a solid fantasy play in um, – in a, in the in a favorable matchup here, um, looking at uh, our picks for quarterback this week, um, the article names Carson Wentz and Joe Flacco, some some guys that I'll also have uh, some shares of um, Kirk Cousins. I don't love Jared Goff. I mean, he's got a great matchup. Um, obviously, you know you see that green thirty one next to his name and twenty three points per game, and you almost want to lock him in. But 
Um, I think the game flow is going to work more towards Gurley here. I think the the Rams should jump on the 49ers early and ride Gurley um, out um, to a win in week seven. Um, obviously, Jameis is going to be popular again. You know, we like Kirk Cousins a lot this week. Um, actually, if you look at the group, um, you know, kind of in that 6,000 and above range, um, I, I love Andrew Luck at home. Given the fact that his opponent rank is one on DraftKings, I don't think he'll. there will be many people out there with a ton of Andrew Luck shares. But, I mean, he gets T.Y. Hilton back. You know, I'm not. I'm not at all concerned about the Buffalo defense. Like they've been playing extremely well. The numbers look good, but they they've given up points to um, good quarterbacks. They've just kind of uh, beat bad quarterbacks down. Um, and I think one of the arguments you'll see is like, well, the, what they did to Deshaun Watson, but last week, but Watson's hurt, and you know he's got Watson's got some issues of his own where he's just holding the ball too long. I think he's holding the ball longer than anyone else in the NFL, so he's not seeing. He's not seeing the game right, which um, the Bills kind of – the Bills are making up for a lack of talent with, with what they're doing schematically, but I don't think they'll be able to do that against the Colts given the way Andrew Luck's throwing the ball right now. Um, New England at Chicago, I don't, I don't think Tom Brady is going to, you know, go off against the Bears defense, so I don't think, you know, it's it's necessary to pay up for him at 61 in a bad road matchup, a game that they likely are just going to try and – try and steal and get out of Chicago. Um, Cam Newton, we won't have any shares of. We're kind of on the other end of that, as we mentioned with Wentz. Um, you know, Stafford's facing a, a Dolphins team that play, that um, played with pace, you know, a couple of seasons ago when Gase first got there, but they're actually the slowest pace team in the NFL this season. Um, and, I mean, Stafford's going to put up numbers, but the matchup isn't good enough to warrant, you know, starting him. Same thing with Breeze. Matchup isn't good enough. You know, he'll be solid for your for your season-long league, as he always is, but the matchup's not good enough to warrant starting him. And then, you know, moving down the list, you know, looking at the value, guys, Joe Flacco's really the only guy that we, we love this week. So it's kind of an easy week in terms of quarterback reads for us. Um, with Wins, he's just underpriced. Um, you know, he's he, he averaged, what, 25 plus points per game last season. I think he looks as good, if not better than he did last season. He's got that eight touchdown, one interception uh, TDINT ratio right now. He's throwing for 298 yards per game. Um, looking at his, his value overall, he's been four X, four and a half X, four X on DraftKings, which is pretty dang good. Um, Anytime you have a guy that's hitting four X every single week, and he, I mean it was it was so Minnesota's got a bottom ten pass defense statistically right now, but I don't think anybody's buying that they're you know they're that good of a matchup for opposing quarterbacks. And then he did it at New York Giants and at Tennessee Titans, so not the best matchups. Um, and he's he's still averaging well over four four X value over the past three weeks. So it's time to kind of it's time to adjust his price um, for one. Um, it's also time to start getting them in your lineups, particularly with matchups like this one. We mentioned in the article that, you know, um, Carolina's defense overall is overrated. Um, you know, coming into the season, they had PFF's uh, 29th ranked secondary. Um, you know, Bradbury is getting a ton of hype as a shutdown corner. Um, I don't think that he's going to be able to deal with Alshon Jeffrey. You know, a healthy Alshon Jeffrey is a scary, um, scary receiver to try and deal with because he's got, you know, big playability. He's got the speed. He runs good routes. He's got great hands. Um, 
So um, that's a matchup I think they'll be able to pick on, and they certainly are going to be able to pick on um, anybody that uh, tries a matchup with Aguilar in the slot. Um, so, um, and, and just in general, looking at the the Panthers, you know, stats, it, um, they shut down, you know, uh, Eli Manning, Alex Smith, and Dak Prescott, which, you know, every defense has shut them down this season. So it's not any sort of um, huge feat to have done that. And then, you know, when they played Andy Dalton, they got 350 yards. They gave up 31 fantasy points to Matt Ryan. So they've been beaten by good quarterbacks um, and then just kind of picked on bad matchups um, in their better games. Um, okay, and then our other pick was Joe Flacco, kind of an obvious one here. Um, you just target New Orleans defense right now. You have to. Um, they're uh, 32nd in the NFL in DVOA against number one receivers, 32nd against number two receivers. They're second to last in just about every statistical category. They're giving up a QB rating of uh, 115.5 right now, I believe. Um, and Flacco comes in fairly hot. I mean, it's you know, we we wrote in the article that he's playing the best football of his career, and I think he is. Um He's he's got better weapons than he ever has, especially if they can get Hurst in the mix. Hurst is a is is a really talented tight end. We thought he would have been a nice sleeper pick last week, given what Marty Morningwood was say, saying about him heading into the week. But he didn't end up getting enough run or targets to to have any impact on the game. But um, particularly with with kind of those new faces, Hurst and John Brown and and Crabtree's playing better than his numbers uh, would suggest. But um, we, you know, we, we really like Flacco and John Brown this week. It's going to be one of our, uh, one of the stacks that I have the most shares of at least. Um, and I just don't see any way the game flow, you know, given the fact that the Ravens over the past two years, you know, they're second in the NFL in pace right now. They were first in the NFL in pace last season. I don't see any way that he's under 50 attempts. You know, if, if this game's close at all and the, and the Ravens aren't just running up the clock against the, Saints, which, you know, that could be the case, but, I, you know, I would expect um, Breeze to be able to move the ball a little and keep this competitive for the majority of the game, in which case I would I would think Flacco throws the ball 40, 50 times this week, and and he and John Brown and maybe even Crabtree end up being good values. Um, all right, let's move on to running back. Running back is a mess this week. It's so hard to um, get behind any of the guys that, you know, if you say, you know, well, I want to target the Colts, well, then you're, you, you know, you really want that many shares of LaShawn McCoy, or, you know, I want to target the Browns. Do you really want to, you know, bet that Peyton Barber has an, another good game after being terrible through the first, you know, five weeks of the season? Um, there, there are no matchups that we look at and we feel really, really good about. So, you know, we wrote an article, anytime this happens, you know, one of my, you know, what I tend to do is just pay up at the position and get the volume. And, you know, there's a couple guys that I think you could look at if that's what you want to do. Um, certainly Todd Gurley, he made our article, you know, he's averaging three times his current, you know, sky high $9,800 salary on DraftKings, 10200 on FanDuel. He's still averaging three, three times those numbers. So, um, He's a guy that, you know, I wouldn't hesitate just to plug in, get, get you know, get the two and a half, whatever you, whatever you think his ceiling is. I, I really think he's going to have a big week once again, um, similar to last week where the game flow should trend towards, you know, him getting 20, 25 carries in a good matchup. Um, <clears throat> if you don't want to, you know, 
if you don't want to um, play Gurley, you're looking to fade him, maybe uh, Ezekiel Elliott at the top. Once again, second week in a row. I mean, you're just going to get with, with Elliott, it's the same thing. You know, you're going to get 25 to 30 touches um, the matchups, you know, you know, we, so, so McCaffrey made an article last week. Um, the Redskins were dead last in the NFL in yards per carry. Um, and, you know, right at the bottom in yards per game, DVOA versus the rush. They came into last week 30th in DVOA against the rush. So we gave out McCaffrey last week and it didn't work out. Um, obviously, that was no fault of um, his. He only got eight carries um, and pretty, you know, vanilla eight carries at that. Um, so it wasn't – they just didn't give him the volume. You know, he still got his eight targets and seven receptions or whatever it was. But um, – he uh he didn't get the volume. Um, I think you have to commit to running if you're going to run. Um, Washington's front seven is maybe they're improved, but they're not that improved. You know they, like I said, they were 30th in DVOA against the run heading into last week. So um, the matchup doesn't scare us with Zeke there, and you know they're running the ball better. Um, seeing them commit to you know 24 carries for 106 yards against the, um, against the Jags. I mean, albeit in a blowout, but it's still a good sign. And obviously, um, the Redskins, you know, given their, the numbers they gave up last year, they're not, you know, they're not nearly the, the scary matchup that the Jags are. So he's a guy I would look to at the top. Um, a bunch of, a bunch of timeshares underneath that, right? So when we get into this, like, you know, which, which timeshares do you even consider? Um, how much is Delvin Cook going to play? You know, um, what's going on with the Saints running backs? It doesn't seem like a week where you want to have any shares of Ingram given the matchup. But, you know, what's the snap count going to be there? And is Kamara going to see a ton of, of targets? Or is this a game that the Saints are just going to kind of punt on and say, let's get out of here healthy and and focus on on different matchups or whatever? Um, you know, what's going on with Fournette? You know, the New England, you know, James White still getting all the passing work and, you know, is Sony Michelle going to be reliable moving forward with 20 plus carries or whatever he's gotten over the past three weeks? Um, you know, same thing. Jordan Howard's out snapping and looks like a much better runner than Tariq Cohen, but the production's there for Cohen, you know, so a lot of, a lot of confusion there. Same thing with the Bucks. you know, they want to, they want to get the rookie more snaps. Um, and then on the other side, um, the, the Browns want to get their rookie more snaps. So it's hard to trust either veteran running back there. Um, and it's also hard to trust the rookies because they haven't gotten any work yet. So um, we actually gave out uh, Kenyon Drake as our um, second running back in our article. He's, I mean, if you're looking at timeshare guys, he'd be the one that I like the most. He's getting um, over 60% of the snaps still. Uh, it's pretty much when Frank Gore is in, he's going to run between the tackles. And, you know, Gates has made it clear why that is. Um, and we we get that. I mean, the, the biggest thing um, that I think when when someone watches an NFL game and they get frustrated with that, um, you know, I'm a Lions fan. So when I watch uh, LeGarrette Blunt, you know, average 1.5 yards per carry and they keep giving him the ball, it's frustrating. But, but what you have to understand is that offenses don't want to be in second and long. They don't want to be in third and long. They want a running back that sets them up in, you know, second and six. If you can consistently get in second and six, your offense is going to convert and get a first down more times than not. So, you know, 
as Gase has said, he loves the 60-yard touchdown on first down with Kenyon Drake, but he'd much rather have, you know, consistent second and sixth than that one big play. And Drake's missing, you know, that that kind of, you know, get downhill, get four yards, get to second down play that Frank Gore is giving them right now. Um, but that being said, this is kind of the matchup for for Drake and his explosiveness to, ex- to exploit, you know, um, a, a Lions front seven that is – um, they're they're doing a great job of getting pressure on the quarterback and having you know the elite corners on the outside and and safeties that are doing a good job in coverage right now. Um, it's certainly helping that front seven get pressure on the quarterback um, because I don't think this the talent is necessarily there, especially with Ezekiel Ansa out. Um, and uh, that's that's kind of being shown in the run game where the Lions are you know in the bottom three in yards per carry, yards per game. Um, big plays given up, uh, rushing touchdowns, you know, def- uh, points per game. Um, I think they're th- third to last giving up 31 points per game in fantasy, um, to opposing running backs. So this is, this is the matchup right here that Kenyon Drake kind of like, you know, if you drafted him in the third round, like he was going towards the end of, you know, the end of the, um, the draft season, this preseason, um, this is the week that it kind of pays off, I think. So um, certainly a good value on both FanDuel and DraftKings. I think he's uh, 6300 on FanDuel and 4900 on DraftKings. So I would have no problem plugging him in this week. Um, looking at receiver, uh, we already mentioned John Brown. Um, we were talking about Joe Flacco, so let's start there. Um, you know, he's got uh, Pro Football Focus's ninth best wide receiver corner matchup. Um let me pull those numbers up real quick. Um, so um, Brown is averaging. Oh, wait. Okay. So they, I don't know if this just updated since I pushed out the article or what, but he's, he's now the fifth best matchup. Um, he's averaging 1.8 yards uh, receiving per route run and Ken Crowley's giving up 2.29 yards receiving per route run. Um, you look at the pro football focus grade overall, you know, John Brown's a 69, which isn't great, but it's good. And, and, um, Crawley's a 49, which is terrible. Um, so obviously, you know, beyond that, you just look at the DVOA numbers and, um, the Saints are giving up the most production to number one and number two receivers. So you expect, Crabtree and Brown to both um, be solid plays this week. And, and, you know, Brown gives you that higher GPP ceiling because he is a big play threat every time he, every time he touches the ball and the volume has been there this, this year with him. I mean, he, I don't think he has the targets that Crabtree has, but he has more production. Um, He might even have a better catch rate. He's got less drops. He's um, I think he's the guy to target this week. I don't see him. I don't, I don't see him under a hundred yards in this matchup for sure. Um, and then we gave Stefan Diggs, I think, um, Thielen will be the, the higher owned Vikings receiver, obviously having reached, um, I think he's 8,600 on, on DraftKings. Yes. 8,600 on DraftKings. And he's reached, um, three X four, five, five street games. And he's hit four X twice in those five. So, I mean, he's on fire. The targets have been unbelievable. I think his low this season is 10. Um, but his average is somewhere around 13 or 14 targets per game with a high of 19. Um, just he's been unbelievable this season. There's no getting around it. He's, he's, he's hit hundred yards every single week. Um, 
that being said, you know, coming into the year, we were high on digs and there's a reason for that. The, the Vikings are extremely high on digs. And I think, um, you know, the two games. So, so if you look at, um, if you just compare the two guys or whatever, you know, Diggs has flashed a higher ceiling at times and he's had those, you know, 15, 13 target games. But if you look at the two games that he was shut out, you know, it's the Bills who have shut out every number one receiver they faced and the Cardinals who, you know, just stuck Patrick Peterson on them. And it's, it's, you know, it's just a matchup to avoid. It's pretty easy, easy game plan for the Vikings, but um, in, in favorable matchups, he, you know, he put up 22 against the Eagles. He put up 26 against the Rams and he put up 39 against the Packers. So, you know, he's kind of, he's just a matchup play and the Jets right now don't have corners at all. Um, I think screens out already with the concussion or he's, maybe he's still questionable, but you know, screen and Tremaine Johnson's out, who's their number one corner. So it's just a good spot for, for it's a good matchup for Diggs, And, you know, he's proven to be um, arguably the more productive. Um, yeah. I wouldn't say that he's, he's as productive as Nealon in um, when he has the, the favorable matchup. So, and I mean, he's 14, $1,500 cheaper on both sites. So we're rolling with Diggs this week, um, but certainly wouldn't have any issue putting Thielen in a couple lineups either. Um, speaking of high volume, big play receivers. Brandon Cooks made an article this week and he is, um, I haven't finalized this week's rankings. He is likely going to be our number one receiver this week. Um, so over his career, he's just so productive in terms of routes, um, you know, yards per route run yards per target. Um, he just has never been a high volume guy and it's, it's, it's probably because of his size um, and the role that he's played in every offense he's been to, which doesn't, it, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. You know, he, I don't, I don't think he's a number one receiver, but I think he's a guy you can target a ton and just keep getting production out of him. Um, he, I mean, I'm, and, and one of the reasons we like him this week is he's been so productive in the red zone for the Rams is his, his, the number of touchdowns he has, which I think is just one still. Um, is not indicative of his catch rate in the red zone. I believe he's um, second on the Rams, and or no, he's third behind Gurley, but he's he's a second on the Rams in terms of receivers and targets in the red zone. And that's kind of wh- what we're trying to figure out right now because C- Cup is that guy that gets targeted in the red zone for the Rams. He's easily the number one target in the red zone. Um, so where do those targets go? Um, I believe Woods has caught three of six targets and Cooks has caught six of seven targets, something like that. So I think Cooks um, will have some volume in the red zone. Um, But overall, you know, just getting volume to him in general in this matchup is something we're looking for. Um, Let's take a look at his matchup specifically. Okay, so he's also a top 15 matchup on Pro Football Focus this week. He's once again, he's averaging 2.66 yards per route run. <clears throat> which is elite. It's top five in the NFL. And he's facing uh, Akella Witherspoon, who's giving up 2.28 yards per route run and has a uh, pro football focus grade of 40 on the season, which is horrendous for a for a starting cornerback. Um, and, and just in general, looking at the 49ers secondary, it doesn't really matter, you know, you know, if he moves to the slot and lines up with Quan Williams, you know, Quan Williams is giving up 1.6 yards per route run, which is uh, not that much of an improvement. Um, and then um, obviously, you know, if you look at the left corner, which is 
generally where Robert Woods would be lined up. I, I'm not saying that's how they're going to do it with cup out, but generally speaking, that's where he would be lined up. Um, Sherman's still um, not being targeted by opponents. So there's a, there's a, there's an extremely small sample size on him this season, but um, he grades out per, fairly favorable um, given that he's just not being targeted. Um, okay. Um, let's see. So those are, those are the receivers we have in our article. Um, <clears throat> again, just in general, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, just looking at the, at the slate over, overall, I think it's going to be fairly well balanced in terms of the guys with good matchups. So you can expect to see cooks heavily owned woods heavily owned. Really? We really like Evans this week, Landry this week. Um, but just because I didn't make the article, I think you still have to have shares of you know, of some of these chalk players just in case they they hit and chalk hits like we mentioned earlier. Um, uh, we mentioned that uh, Buffalo is shutting down opposing number one receivers. I'm not. I'm not. I, you know, I'll have T. Y. Hilton in my lineups if he's if he's active and I mean he's practiced in full this week. So if he's active, um, he'll be in our lineups just because T. Y. isn't. Um, you know the way Fr- Frank Reich uses ty um you know buffalo's not gonna be able to 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 shadow him he's gonna be in the slot he's gonna be tight he's gonna be wide he's gonna be left he's gonna be right and just overall i don't think buffalo's game planning for um to to shadow ty in any way so if ty is healthy given the way andrew luck is throwing the ball right now and the way this offense is humming um he's a guy you know 300 yards per game passing for luck with without ty hilton um, I would I would have no problem plugging Ty in right away. We already mentioned Elshon Jeffries a good matchup. Um, the Lions receivers we've had a couple questions about that. Um, I actually um, you know it's it's tough because um, the the Miami rookie um, what's his, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick in is playing in the slot and he's actually having a solid year and he's got some good film out there. I think he was actually defensive player of the week once. So it's tough to say you know this is a great matchup for Tate. Um, he certainly should be able to beat a rookie. He's just kind of that that sort of player that will um, take advantage of a rookie. Um, but that being said, um, based off of where how the Lions line up, you know, they put Marvin to the left 70% of the time. Um, that would give Marvin Jones the, the number one matchup. Um, let me go ahead and pull this up for you guys real quick. Um so Marvin would, would be lining up with uh, Tory McTire, who um, is giving up 2.5 yards per carry. Um, he's giving up a completion percentage of 92%. He's kind of the one um, more responsible for the fact that the, the Dolphins have given up seven plays of 40-plus yards. So um, that is the matchup to target for this Lions offense. And... Um, so if, what I'm saying is if you're going to throw a dart at the Detroit passing game against the Dolphins defense, that's giving up what 270 passing yards per game and have given up, you know, seven big plays, which is the most in the NFL, I would throw it at Marvin Jones, who's an elite deep route runner, um, and has the matchup to pick on here for, for sure. So, um, Marvin Jones is worth a look there. Um, Moving down the slate, um, obviously Josh Gordon's going to be a popular pick. He looked good last week. Um, the Bears' pass defense obviously looked terrible last week, um, and you'd you would expect 
the Patriots to be able to take a look at that film and figure out what they're going to do and put together a game plan here. Um, <clears throat> obviously, Houston, so um, this is another one we got a couple of emails on, so I wanted to, to mention it. They, um, we pick on the Texans like crazy, especially on the road. Their secondary their secondary is atrocious. I mean, the, I mean, they get a pass rush and their secondary puts up or gives up a hundred plus passer rating, um, which is hard to do. It's hard to do when the, when a quarterback doesn't have time and you can't cover a receiver for, you know, less than three seconds. It's, it's tough to do. Um, but that being said, I'm, I'm done trusting Blake Bortles anymore. When you think he's going to play well, he doesn't play well. After he plays well, he plays terrible. It's hard to trust Blake Bortles at all. This, this feels like a game where Blake Bortles is going to have a solid, a solid game, but I'm not putting my name behind that ever again. Um, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell you which Jags receiver I would target. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't target any of them, especially with some of the other quality matchups available on the board right now. So um, one guy that I, I kind of have a little, uh, 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 well, there's a couple of players we have uh, a good feeling about. Um, they're going to be lined up in the slot this week. Um, Willie Sneed has been in the 3X area for three straight games. He faces a Baltimore, or a, I'm sorry, a New Orleans defense that, you know, they can't cover any receivers. Um, given the fact that, you know, Sneed has seen, um, I believe it's 50 targets on the year. So, you know, he's he's seeing eight targets a game. Um, I certainly would have him on 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 the radar this week at 4,000 on DraftKings. Um Similarly, Kiki Cuties in the slot for um, Houston, which means he avoids um, he avoids the two corners from Jacksonville. So this could be a, another volume spot for Cutie, who's actually I mean he you know he's seen volume every week. And in Houston's passing game was down in general against Buffalo, even though we thought Cutie was a guy that you know could have a big week. You just didn't see the targets. And overall, you know, Houston didn't run enough plays, and, and Watson was terrible. Um, and that was that was more uh, the reason for Cutie's lack of production last week. But if if Jacksonville's going to throw the ball on Houston, this there's a chance um, that the game flow just kind of could could um, mean that Cutie sees a lot of targets and a lot of touches here against the Jacksonville defense. It doesn't give up much um, anywhere else in the passing game. Okay, so those are our receivers. Um, we mentioned at the tight end position in the article, it's kind of, you know, if you're going to pay up at running back, which I think you have to this week, um, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hesitate to pull the string on, on a, you know, start your lineup with Gurley and, and Zeke at the running back positions and then figure it out. You know, it's kind of one of those weeks where you just take the points. Um, so if you're going to do that, you have to find value at the tight end position. Um, we gave out two guys we really like, David Njoku and O.J. Howard. Um, the Bucks have been um, like all-time bad against tight ends this season. We saw the, the Vance McDonald stiff arm game, but it's been every week they've been getting torn apart by tight ends. And, I mean, really, everybody. It's actually surprising to see that they're a top 20, I believe, defense against opposing number one receivers. Um, they get shredded by number two receivers. They're a top 20, 22 defense against slot receivers. And then give up a ton of production to opposing tight ends. So it's a, it's, um, it's a good spot for Landry. It's a good spot for Njoku. Um, we'll have shares of both. We'll probably have more shares of Njoku given the fact that he's been right in that three X range for three straight weeks. Um, 
I believe he was what almost five X last week, uh, 18 and a half points. So yeah, almost five X last week. Um, and this is clearly the, te- the best matchup he's had of the season. The, the bucks are giving up hundred yards per game. I don't think either team's going to be able to run the ball too, too much this week. Um, neither team's great against the run, but at the same time, um, neither of these teams is running the ball that well right now in general, unless, uh, unless the Browns decide to pull the string and, and put Chubb in over, um, <clears throat> over Hyde, who's averaging three yards a carry on the season. Um, I think you're going to see a bunch of volume in the passing games. And, and Joku certainly is uh, looking like Mayfield's favorite target um, with uh, 22 targets in the last two games. So, And then <clears throat> the other guy we gave out um, is the other tight end in this game, uh, another sophomore, O.J. Howard. Um, his snap count was down last week, and that was why I think I think why his his targets and overall yardage was down from you know the previous two weeks. He he saw, um, I believe six targets a game and and eighty plus yards per game. Um, he still managed in in limited playing time to catch four passes on four targets for sixty two yards and a touchdown. So obviously, like the the production, the efficiency, the matchup was favorable. Um, and the in in really. To be fair, the, the previous two matchups against Pittsburgh and Philadelphia were favorable. But, you know, getting Cleveland at home is about as good as it gets for tight ends. Um, their numbers look decent. I, uh, what's the – I love to look at the little red number next to uh, the the player's name on DraftKings because you can almost bet that, you know, a lot of people use that number to determine how good the matchup is. So it says the 19th matchup, um, which is fair. Uh they were sh- they were shredded by um, Jared Cook in the game they played against Oakland, but they really haven't seen a tight end outside of that. I think Cook put up uh, 110 yards and two touchdowns on eight eight receptions. I think he had 12 targets that week or something like that. So they were beaten in the only you know the only tough matchup they had. So um, I don't think that the you know the fact that the Browns were the the worst defense versus tight end position last season. I don't think they've improved as much as. People think they have, um, and at 3,600, obviously OJ Howard's a nice value play that you can plug in there and and make p- paying up at the running back positions possible. So, all right, that is our week seven podcast. Good luck this week. Um, college football will be out tomorrow.